Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Ryan Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Ryan Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into TFS Pod 140. Just when you think, you know, there's going to be a light news week, not much to talk about. Oh boy. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. It's never ending. Gives us a, a, a good uh, long episode, hopefully over an hour again. So here we go. Uh, we'll start with the podium as I always do. Colorado storming the field. Um, so Colorado playing Colorado State this weekend. You know the, all the the pregame lineup stuff. The guys, you know, talking crap, whatever. Coaches going at it. Some on the field pushing and shoving. Colorado twenty four and a half point favorite. Um, wins in overtime, comes back from 11 down fourth quarter, whatever. Their fans storm the field. Why are you storming the field when you're a 24.5-point favorite against a school that was 0-2 and was like 1-11 last year? I get you were 1-11 last year, but aren't you top 25 team? Don't you have Dion? Aren't you guys going all the way? Stupid! Don't ever do that again. I hate. No, it. I don't buy the rivalry game excuse either. Like, act like you've been there. I, I'm sorry, Dion's not capable of that, but act like you've been there. All right, Moose is underneath the table agreeing. All right, so my opening statement this weekend. Look, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I do not hold Harlan Barnett, or in a couple of days of being able to come back to the program, Mark D'Antonio, accountable for the absolute train wreck that was seen in Spartan Stadium last Saturday. I, I don't hold them accountable. This is Mel Tucker and his other, his coordinators in particular. We'll get to that a little bit later, but my podium is just a simple question. Why can't anybody, I don't care if you're an interim head coach, I don't care if you're a longtime head coach, I don't care if you're a first-time head coach, just stand up there and stop sugarcoating a pile of dog shit and give it to us straight. I'm going to read you HB's opening statement. Obviously, though, this wasn't the game we thought we were going to see tonight. Uh, you think? We must clean up missed tackles and substitution errors. We will get those cleaned up and move on. Here's my issue. We're looking forward to starting Big Ten play. We still have all of our goals in front of us. What? What? What's your goal? I, I watched the talent there. I I watched the disparity between Michigan State and Washington. What is your goal? To win a game? Two games? I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit, but like six is a stretch, and that's what I picked for Michigan State, and that was with a loss to Washington, but I expected a competitive loss. So getting back to the point of my podium, stand up there and tell the truth. HB, I know this isn't your mess. This isn't your team. You're doing the best that you can do. You just need to stand up there and say, you know what, guys? We sucked. We sucked. We had a tough week. So, therefore, we weren't very prepared as coaches. 
I give the players credit. They played as hard as we asked them to play, but we did not put them in a good situation. That is on me. That is on the coordinators, and we will scheme better for next week. That's it. End of press conference. Don't sugarcoat this, well this, well that. Don't excuse it. Tell it like it is. Hell, blame Mel Tucker. I don't care if he was your boss. He's out the door. Blame him. Well, you know what? If our head coach wasn't caught jacking off on the phone, maybe we wouldn't have played quite as bad. Look, we weren't going to beat Washington unless we played a great game. I'll give you that. But I'm so tired, and it's not. I'm picking on HB because I predicted to Ryan as we were driving home, leaving the game early, which is a very rare thing for us. I said, I guarantee you, they're going to say, "Oh, but it doesn't matter. All of our goals are in front of us." Because I don't want to hear this. All of our goals in front of us. Because while that may be true, stop sugarcoating it. Tell the truth. We sucked. We were awful. This is what we're going to do to fix it. Not this. We're going to watch tape and we're going to see what we did wrong. Anybody that has two eyes that can see in that stadium could tell you what was wrong. It starts way back from the talent perspective, but schematically, you know, the way that guys couldn't didn't know what they were going to do. They were looking to the sideline for guidance. Answer the questions truthfully. And again, not just UHB, all coaches. I'm tired of coach speak. I'm tired of sugarcoating it. I'm a marketing guy. I understand marketing and, and spin and sugarcoating and communicating in a way that puts a positive front forward. But at this point, Michigan State fans want somebody to acknowledge the truth that we were given powdered sugar-covered dog poop for a program from Mel Tucker. So stand up there, HB, next time after Maryland whips our ass this week and just say, guys, we're not very good, and I'm going to make my best efforts to try to make us better. That's all I want you to say. Completely agree. All right. Throwing the flag this week. There's a few things we could throw the flag on. Um, an honorable mention is Colorado fans giving death uh, threats to that kid from Colorado State that kind of took the cheap shot on Travis Hunter. What is wrong with these people? Like, calm the hell down. How about LeBron weighing in on that? LeBron, we don't need you to weigh in on anything. Yeah, Shut up. Um, all right, so the flag on more idiots, the Vikings fans. So the Vikings are 0-2, if you didn't know. Um, not a great start to the season. Alexander Madison, the running back, um, said you got racial slurs hurled at him by Vikings fans and the stadium, um, on social media, whatever, getting messages. When is this going to stop? Like, there, I get, like, I get it. Like, you are invested in your team. I love Michigan State. I love the Lions. Whatever. You get mad when they lose, happy when they win. But can we please? Like, you think they want to lose? Unless you're like the 0-16 Lions where you're just no one cares. You think they're trying to lose? No. So stop doing this stuff. Sending death threats. Sending racial slur. All this stuff. That's ridiculous. I don't care who it is. It's ridiculous. Enough is enough. It's a game at the end of the day. I mean, we all live and die with our teams. I get it. But it's a game. And there is no reason to give somebody a death threat. If you gambled your house and lost on it, that's, that's your effing problem, not theirs. Stupid. You got a problem, not them. Yep. All right, time for four downs. We can cycle through the Big Ten here. And Let's then do that quickly. College we've football got... at large, and we can dissect a dis- disgusting lump of you-know-what. We've got to pull the maggots Michigan and the worms State out of football. the pile of shit that is Michigan State football. Maryland um, down 14 nothing, win 42-14, smoked UVA. They look pretty decent. Penn State, Illinois, um, went about how I thought it would. Illinois, just, they're not very good. 
they're, this last year they they lost too much. Um, Penn State looks good. Um, good win for good win for them on the road to start off uh, Big Ten play. Um, Louisville versus um, Indiana. Louisville won by seven. Did not cover the spread. That was seven and a half. Um, we got the win. Indiana's just not very good. Um, Wisconsin apparently looked solid in the second half from what I heard. They covered against Georgia Southern. Minnesota smoked by North Carolina. Um, Duke smoked Northwestern. They looked really good. Iowa actually covered, and there was a backdoor cover, fourth down and goal from the four with like 30 seconds left, and they scored to go, to win by three. It's a very un Iowa like thing to do to score when clearly it, well, there was nothing to, in they're doubt. Trying to build up they're trying average. to keep they're trying to keep Brian Ferentz, yeah. right? Like it's that's dude, that is not a Kirk Ferentz thing to do. And especially it's not a really good look given the gambling issues at Iowa. <laughs> you know, that they're trying to get the cover. Like uh you might want to not make it quite that obvious. Even if your excuse is we're trying to help out our OC, it's against Western. Yeah, uh, Rutgers with the win over Virginia Tech. Good for them. They're three and zero. They always start off three and zero. Then they won't win a game the rest of the season. Well, they'll beat Wagner. Yeah, they play maybe, Michigan, then they play. Maybe Wagner, they'll beat Michigan so. State. Um, Ohio State turned on sixty-three to ten. Their offense finally came alive. Um, good for them. Um, Nebraska. They've like so. I've never even heard of this quarterback that they had. I don't even know his name. I didn't think it was. Pretty, it wasn't. Something. It wasn't. I can't. It was some big guy. Apparently, three of their running backs are out for the season. Oh, um, man. Snake bit. Yeah, literally. Michigan. Uh, this is the one right here. Newsflash. They're not very good. What do you say, Ryan? When you're good, you win. When you're great, you cover. And they good haven't come close to... Great teams cover. They haven't covered. They're 0-3 against the spread. And look, it JJ should have been 24 JJ because... JJ threw three picks, should have been four. That was a pick that it turned into a touchdown by Bowling Green. And Bowling Green had two guys carted they, off they the field. They only like 300-some like, yards against Bowling Green. Like, I get it. Like, you know, it's early in the season still. You know, we don't have Harbaugh. But last year they were winning these games. Oh, but six according to M Live, Harbaugh, you know, really learned a lot when he was sitting on the sideline for cheating. Like he learned a lot. Well, I'm sure he learned a but lot. But if you remember last year against these types of opponents, Michigan was winning sixty-three to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, running up the score, and they're not. They don't look as. good. I mean, they have talented players. Don't get me wrong; they're probably still the best team in the Big Ten. But good lord, college football is not that good this year. I don't think it's weird. Um, Purdue. Uh, their train wreck, Syracuse comes in, beats them. Cheers, and we thought they'd get it done. They didn't. Um, not great. Um, other around college football, Colorado, Colorado State game was a you know a classic, a really good one. I wish Colorado State had won, but whatever. Um, Alabama struggling. They're just not very good. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> their quarterback. I don't know why terrible. they switched quarterbacks. Like he, the first guy, I can't remember his name. No right. He wasn't that bad. I mean, this guy, Buckner from Notre Dame, was horrible. Bad. I just kept seeing the Family Guy replay of, uh, what's his name, Bruce, with the, sorry, y'all, that's the first time I throw a ball. And he like, threw it to the ground. That was pretty much their quarterback. Right. I mean, it was bad. Right. So really much so bad. that their third-string guy was playing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Georgia kind of struggled, um, then won. Right. Ten- Georgia struggles against South Carolina, though. South Carolina has beaten them a couple times in the in the past few years. Tennessee so. lost to Florida. Shocker. Um, big win for Florida. Um, there, there was a big fight at the end of the game. Guys got suspended. Um, 
trying to think what else. Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama. That's pretty funny. Um, nothing else really. Weren't this this weekend's games are awesome. Um, yeah, last weekend the night games were, were not very good. It was just kind of. And I mean, we came home and hoped to see some football after what we watched, and uh, we did not get to see that. So no, not good. Yeah, and let's get to the. All right, the I'm gonna start. We've all been waiting for. I gotta start with this because. I don't know if anybody listening knows this about me, but I do this for work all the time. We have fun, like, spoofing songs and videos and stuff for some some of the, you know, like, info edutainment, I call it, stuff that we do. And this hit this has hit me tonight, uh, a verse from Macklemore's Thrift Shop. So we don't have it queued up for the music, like, um, Tuck, come and hit the jack, hit the canine jackpot, and they hype in that mother effa. They'd be like, oh, that Tuck, he's the next Nick Saban. I'm like, yo, that's 95 mil for a dog shit head coach. Limited edition, let's do some simple addition. 95 mil for an unproven coach, that's just some ignorant shit. I get called, I call that getting swim, windled and pimped shit. I call that getting tricked by a con artist. That's my entertainment contribution, Good. my lack of white rap skills. Um, look, Anybody who saw, if you have paid for the Peacock to watch the I'm game, sorry. I, I'm sorry. If you were at the game, which, you know, I read something that said, you know, what was disappointing is Michigan State packed that place out to show support. No, they didn't. There were more people at the Central Michigan game. The student section was full. I give the students credit. They've been coming out in droves. It was great. Um, that's not going to happen much longer because that product on the field is bad. I've got a handful of notes that I'm just going to kind of throw out there, and then Ryan, we can we can kind of go back and forth on some of this. First of all, I got to give you know like give Mike Valenti a, a listen today. He had a good response to the officially Michigan State, by the way, um, has come out and they are moving forward with firing Mel Tucker. The process of firing Mel Tucker with cause, which means they would not have to pay him. I would settle in for a, a long process because I'm sure he'll sue because of the dumbass board of trustee member who leaked the story. That's a whole nother issue that has nothing to do with his contract. He broke his contract, broke the morality clause. Pretty fireable offense in my opinion because he did everything that that morality clause said they could fire him for. Yep. I don't feel bad for you. So a little bit of back and forth. Um, you know, we we're talking a little bit about coaching, Ryan. I want to get some of your takes. I'm just going to read some some back and forth from my boys Dave and Chris. Um, you know, I mentioned to them to listen to that, and Valenti went after the coordinators today, which was brilliant because that's like I don't blame HB. He's not a, obviously the secondary is not that great either, and those are his guys. But the offensive and defensive coordinator are horrible, and Valenti went after him. Um, you know, Dauber says I don't think Barnett is the answer either, and I said he's maybe fine as a position coach, but he flopped as a defensive coordinator. We need an offensive minded guy. Uh, the only keeper on the staff, in my opinion, is Hawkins. Courtney Hawkins. Um, and Dave said, our secondary absolutely sucks, so I don't think he should even stay in that capacity. Do agree with Hawkins. And then Chris chimes in, if Barnett somehow manages to get this team to a bowl game and win seven to eight games, I think we make the mistake of hiring him, a la Bobby Williams. I'm throwing that part in there. Yep. He's in way over his head and shouldn't even be considered. Sorry, good Spartan HB, but I agree with that. Yeah, no and way. So my takes. Can't argue with that. We need a staff of teachers. Now, not swing and miss at five-star staff. Get some four-stars, fine, which Michigan State can do. Coach up the three-stars. It got us to a Rose Bowl, a CFP berth, and a New Year's Six. That style works for Michigan State. 
based on what I saw Saturday, we might get four wins. Who's a sure win that's left? Maryland's no not, a sure win. not a sure Iowa's win. Iowa's not a sure win. Rutgers at this point is a maybe. Michigan, barf emoji, no way. Indiana, okay, I'll say that's a win. Nebraska, maybe. Ohio State, no crying way. laughing emoji. Penn State, crying laughing emoji. That means win the yes and two maybes plus either Iowa or Maryland to get to six, and that's not going to happen. Um, that's all I picked Michigan State to do, but that was thinking that we had a little bit more talent than we do. Look, I never expected us to win on Saturday, but I sure as hell expected us to compete. And Chris, you know, says back Washington's top ten and possibly top five or better. I expected to compete, but there's a lot of football to be played. Even when we were good, Bama absolutely housed us. I don't disagree with that. Um, and as I said, no doubt they're good, but man, our lack of talent was glaring. It's, it's- Kim is a Mac level quarterback. He's just not big enough. He's got the arm talent, but he's not big enough. He's not big the old line is Mac level. The scheme on defense is elementary school. It's so horrible, I can't even tell you really how good the secondary is. I can tell you this, Mangum can hit. You know, some of these guys can hit a little bit, but that's all they had to do was hit, right? Halliday is a run-stopping Big Ten middle linebacker, not a side-to-side 4-2-5 guy. Burn that bleep down. Um, I, you know, Like I said earlier, I predicted to Ryan on the way home that the first words in the press conference would be all our goals are in front of us. I say, F that. I'm tired of that noise. What goals? To win another game? Get up there and tell the truth. Our guys are not good, and we're going to try to make them better. What else is there to say? Um, here's my last point on this. We are built for today's Big Ten West, maybe. Not to compete with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, or anybody else that has a heartbeat on either side of the ball. It's embarrassing, Captain agrees, we got conned and swindled by Tuck the, what's a word that rhymes with Tuck? Um, like, I, I, like I, in my rap, I mean, we got swindled. Michigan State got absolutely swindled. And I'm going to say what Valenti said and, you know, was said before. I didn't want to necessarily admit it before, but I will admit it now. Michigan State was what it was a couple of years ago strictly because of Kenneth Walker. Uh, there's no question about it. That's why Michigan State was good. And, I mean, it has gone from bad to worse. The talent disparity is incredible. And, look, Dion proved that you can burn it down and, and go transfer portal for a year at least and then start to build with recruiting. But, man, Michigan State has got a lot of work to do. And so that begs the question. I mean, I don't even think it's not even worth reviewing the game. Because here's my other beef with the, the Michigan State game the other day. Why is Kate Hauser not in there at the beginning of the second half? Why The game was over it. And Michigan State is still trying to establish the run. Like, you don't even – you left your players hanging out there to dry, Jay Johnson and – Hazelton, two of the worst coordinators in the history of man. Like, I, fire them now. Fire them. Make Hawkins the de facto offensive coordinator. Barnett, you call the defense or make Coach D call the defense or switch it up and let him be the head coach because guys weren't in position to sub right. That's an assistant coaching problem and a Mel Tucker problem. I mean, the, the problems here are endless. And they're not going to be fixed this year, and they're not going to be fixed without talent. And they're not going to be fixed for a while. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I just I, I agree with you. Um, I'm just so done um, with Michigan State football. I mean, it's just it's a constant crap storm. Um, 
Yeah, the quality control is what I've complained about the last two years, and it's gotten worse. Um, that's on Tucker for not instilling any sort of discipline. I mean, this is this is a John L. Smith, Bobby Williams coach team, and then some. I mean, there, there's nothing. The players get stupid penalties. The, you know, like you said, the substitution errors. Um, guys missing assignments that are simple. Guys missing tackles. Schematically, it's horrible. It's, it's awful. Scotty Hazelton needs to have that beard chopped off and sent back to the trailer park that he's from in Kansas. He's a piece of crap. He would not be employed anywhere in the Power Five. Hell, the Group of Five should go back to the FCS. Same with Jay Johnson. He's only there because he's buddies with Mel for God knows what reason. Well, look, you you look Terrible at job. Michigan State ran the same defensive scheme that they did last year against Washington. They got shredded last year. Why would you not change it up? Why do they run the four two five? Michigan State was better last year when they ran a four three. They were. They don't have Darius Snow back fully healthy. Yeah, he was on the field a little bit, but they don't have him there. back. Like they Michigan State has fine first string talent. There's depth in some spots, but not in enough spots. And there's not enough talent being worked and improved. Like I said to Ryan the other day, there are not that many five-star offensive linemen in America. There just aren't. Michigan State's best linemen in history are guys like Jack Conklin, who was a walk-on that was coached to be good by Mark Staten. Like a good coach can take a guy that's got the size and teach them fundamentals. Yeah, it's okay. The five stars, the difference between the five stars and the three stars in the offensive line is athleticism. Because guys that are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", 325 pounds kind of grow on trees these days. Like every team's got them. And that's all Mel with, oh, he's getting guys over six feet tall and over 300 pounds and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. All he was happy with was running pictures, you know, running pit bulls and Snoop Dogg and G-Wagons out with recruits that he wouldn't get. Like... I'm like, and blame NIL or whatever. Shut up, Mel. Shut up. And good riddance. Because you left us arguably in worse shape than D'Antonio, who oh, quit, who quit recruiting at the shape. end. At least D'Antonio kept, you know, kept trying to develop guys, even if he wasn't recruiting as hard because he was growing tired of it. But, like, you, you burned it down, Mel. And Michigan State needs to burn it down the rest of the way. Are a lot of guys going to probably hit the portal? Yep, Probably. I argue that starters will probably stick around because why would you leave a starting role even at a mediocre to bad Big Ten program and risk going to be second or third string at a slightly better program unless you're going to transfer down, which that's another sign is most Mel Tucker guys historically have transferred down, not up or not level, right? Like, And he hasn't swung and hit on too many of these transfer ins. K-9 is the best example of a guy that came in. So my question to you, Ryan, is you know the list. You read a list last week. You can kind of give us a few more names. Like, you know, what do you want in the next head football coach at Michigan State? I want a program builder. I want a guy that's under the age of 55 years old. I want a guy that is proven to be able to develop guys and get them better as they get old. I don't need to, I mean, yes, recruiting is very important. I want to be able to get a... But we're not getting five stars anyway. Top 25 so, like, class consistently. You get guys that, you know, three-star, high three-stars, low four-stars, you know, from the from the regions that you, you know, the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio. Stop recruiting nationally. I don't stop, buy it. Michigan State can recruit it. in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, dip into Florida, maybe Georgia. dip into California and Texas and yet Georgia because they've They've done well in Georgia for you know before even Tucker, but stop going 
to Rhode Island and to New Mexico and to what? Like, no, those are guys that they're going to get homesick anyway. Stick to your Midwest roots. Let's start it where it makes sense, which is to get Michigan State consistently winning, like D'Antonio did, eight and nine and ten games a year, and then build up to that blip where maybe you compete. In the new world of 12 playoff teams, you don't need to be top four anymore. You just need to be top 15. We need to have a chance, right? With parity, you just need a chance. And so I agree with all those things, Ryan. And in my opinion, because Michigan State always goes for a defensive guy, you need an offensive mind. I'm telling and if you, you get Washington, you got to get an offensive coordinator. Washington's coach that's really good, who's a Midwest guy. I'd take him in a heartbeat. He's, he's built up Fresno. He's doing well at Washington. No, he's not because they're going to grow. But Mich- there's a lot of guys out there. They need to do diligence. And here's the other thing. The board of trustees cannot be freaking in the way on this. This was something I was going to save for hodgepodge third down, um, but I'm going to throw it out there now. And this was a quote from Jim Comperoni at Spartan Mag. As for this year's potential search in the navigation of potholes, chief among those ruts will be Michigan State's infamous board of trustees. Board members need to stand back, resist grandstanding, let let Haller do his job, vote when presented with a case, work hard, keep their mouths shut, and maybe good things will happen. The problem is, is that is a hell of a big ask for Michigan State's Board of Trustees because they are politicians as crooked as the president and the vice president and the etc. in the United States today. That is the problem that I have with the Board of Trustees. It dates back to well before I was at Michigan State, and it's continued, and it's awful. Some coaches that I would love for Michigan State to get involved with are Mike Elko from Duke. Um, I think that would be an excellent hire. Um, Maybe Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Brian Hartline, Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Um, you know, obviously unproven, but as a head coach, but really good recruiter, Midwest guy. Um, he's done a really good job at Ohio State developing guys as well. Um, those are probably my top three right now. Um, do not want to go after any Mac guys. Um, do not want to go after any NFL guys because I think they would just bolt. Um, Mac guys just don't have a good recent no, track no record. One's, no one's good. Like, I mean, historically, yeah, Mac guys. I mean, Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes, Eric Parsegian. Brian Kelly. You know, but, yeah. But that's just not been the case lately, so. No. And, and I'm okay as, I, with a heart line if he surrounds himself with a good yeah, staff, yeah, which I think a guy so. like that would. Regardless, you do. You have to go – you have to get a, an offensive coordinator that's young um, – Innovative has played football in the last ten to fifteen years. Um, the NFL route. And then go hire a guy like Jim Leonard, who's just an analyst right yeah, now for yeah, Illinois. Hire him as your defensive coordinator. Right, exactly. I mean, he's a, a, a very good, proven Big Ten guy. Understands how to recruit the Midwest. Yes, that's a great. That's developed a great talent. Game. Yeah, like it's that's that's what Michigan State needs. All yes. right. Now for that. Now for a word from our second down slash Big Ten segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with 30-plus years of experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post-campaign measurement. Visit norrissportsgroup.com to learn more today. All right, Ryan, week four preview already. All right. right? Uh, Let's do our picks this week. It's a big week. Um, Most of the Big Ten is starting to play each other, so... 
That's cool. Um, we'll start off Friday night, a little Friday night lights. Wisconsin travels to West Lafayette for a little showdown. Only like a seven and a half point yeah, favorite. Yeah, we're going straight on that favorite. one. I think Wisconsin's going to demolish them. Yeah, I would punch that. The news not very good. I would punch that spread right now for sure. Yep. Um, all right, Michigan versus Rutgers. I may put this together yesterday and had it at um, 25 as the spread. Um, it's at Michigan. Um Michigan usually tries to smoke Rutgers. Um, the Rutgers gave them a run last year. Last year. Yeah, and, and, and run recently. And during COVID, they they should have beaten them, but they didn't. I'm going Rutgers plus 25. Yeah, if it's 25 for sure, I just don't I don't see them. I mean, Rutgers has played pretty decent. I don't see them winning by three touchdowns the way they're playing right now. I mean, they'll probably tell you because their Lord and Savior Jim Harbaugh is back that uh, you know. They're going to win by six touchdowns, but if you can't beat the Scrubs by that much, you're not going to beat Rutgers by that much. No. I'm going to pick Rutgers to cover that. Yeah, no no way that they cover that. All right, Florida Atlantic versus Illinois. Illinois, 12-point favorite. They're going to cover. You know why? Florida Atlantic's quarterback's done for the season. Yeah, I mean, Illinois is right where I actually had them pegged at this point in time. In my previews, I had them 2-1 and one, or 1-2 one and two at this point. Um, they barely scraped by Toledo. I think they'll cover that, too. I think they've got a little bounce back. They, they battled Penn State last week. They're just outmanned, but I think they, they get Florida Atlantic this week. Yeah, yeah, I can see that as well. Um, Louisiana Tech versus Nebraska. Louisiana Tech is not very good. Um, I think Nebraska gets 20 points of the spread. I thought Nebraska wouldn't cover against a better Northern Illinois team last week, and they did not. I'm going Nebraska to cover the 20. Yeah, I'll take Nebraska to cover against LaTeX. I could see. I mean, although with their running backs out, I don't know. But, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take them to cover three touchdowns. So, Minnesota at minus 11 um, yesterday. I'm rolling with the Gophs against Northwestern here. It's it's in Evanston, but good Lord, Northwestern's terrible. Yeah, Minnesota all the way. Yeah. Not even close. Uh, Indiana versus Akron. Um, Indians were in black jerseys. They look pretty sweet. Um 17 and a half is the spread. I think they'll cover it. Their defense is pretty solid. Um, maybe they'll get yeah, I mean, they battled Louisville, who's not great, but, I mean, is solid. Is decent. So, you know, and Akron's not very good. So I'll go with that. I'll, I think they can cover that. Iowa at Penn State. It's whiteout season in uh, Happy Valley. Um, 14 is the spread that I had it at last night. Um, I'm going to Iowa plus 14. They always play Penn State well. They always do. They do. Penn State struggled a little bit last week against Illinois. But I'm going to say the whiteout factor. I'll take I'll take uh, Penn State to cover that 14. All right. Last, but certainly or one of the last games in the Big Ten. Um, Michigan State versus Maryland. I, we're going straight up here. I mean, it's uh, Maryland. Michigan State's not going to win. I, I don't think they have a chance of winning. Maryland has went from a four-point line to a six-and-a-half-point line. It's going to be 10-12 by the end of the week. But, I mean, I would get Maryland now while you can because Maryland can throw the ball around the yard and Michigan State can't play defense worth a lick. Yep. Um, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Ohio State goes into South Bend as a three-point favorite, I believe. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm picking against the Buckeyes here. I picked it all along uh, from the beginning that Notre Dame was going to win this, and I stay true to that. I think that Hartman's going to have a really big game, um, and their defense is pretty solid. So I think uh, Notre Dame pulls out the dub, the Golden Domers. 
And Notre Dame didn't beat Central any worse than we did, though. I'm going Ohio State. A uh, few outside of the Big Ten games this week to get our, our quota up here. Um, Florida State at Clemson. This is a big one. It's a pick em. Um, Florida State did not play well last week against BC. Struggled a lot. Um, Clemson's not very good. I'm going FSU in a close one. Um, it's at Clemson, so you know that's good for something. But yeah, I saw that and I'm like, oh boy, I'll, I'd take Florida State in the points on FanDuel even. Yeah. Um, last one in college. Um, Oregon State at Washington State. That's a big game. Uh, the two leftovers in the in the uh, Pac-12. Um, it's in Pullman. Um, Pack two battle. I'm going with the Cougs, baby. Are we doing straight up? Yep. Because they're getting some points. I'm going uh, with Cougs as well in this. The fighting Jason Hansen. Yes, sir. Uh, how, we don't want to pick Oregon, Colorado. No, the spread's 20. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game. I'm surprised Fox, CBS, ABC, NBC, what? CNN, CNBC, Disney, Nickelodeon, everybody and their brother isn't going well, to cover speaking, that game again. Speaking of that, um, they just announced last or this morning that the big noon game in two weeks, USC versus Colorado at the Coliseum, 9 a.m. kick in, in California. Holy hell. That's ridiculous. Joke. It's so Gus. They're they're so Gus Gasm on on Dion. I just like come on. I like I get it. They're having success and he's flipped it around. But like, stop stroking the ego of somebody who doesn't need his ego stroked anymore. Mm-hmm. How did we do last week in our picks? Uh, let's see. I went eight and six. You went seven and seven. And last but certainly not least, Lions Falcons. The Lions have a must-win game ahead of them. I think they get it done by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. They are owed one from last week. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more on the owed one, but I would agree. Um, I think that the what – the, what are they favored by? It's like three. I think that they'll win. Atlanta's off to a 2-0 start, and the stat in the NFL is 64% of teams that start 2-0 end up in the playoffs. But I don't know if they're that good. They're in a bad I, division. You know, they beat. They had a nice comeback against Green Bay, um, which you know we'll talk about NFL here in a little bit. But I, I don't know that they're that good. And the Lions are going to be piecing some things together injury wise. But I still think they've got a little bit of. They, a letdown was coming last week. Maybe Seattle's kind of had our number, um, but I see the Lions winning that game too. Yeah. That's the last one, um, and that's number spot or down number two here. Let's hodgepodge it. So something requested a while ago that Ryan did some homework on uh, for hodgepodge this week. We're gonna have as many questions. We've got a few questions yet from Mitchapalooza, but we're gonna save those to sprinkle them in over time. And some that we have left are related, to be honest. Um, so one of the things that. Ryan did, and now, of course, it just disappeared on me, so I'll keep talking while I'm looking for it, which is never easy for me to do. Um, Chris had asked Ryan, because we always talk about preseason polls. Do they matter? How do they compare to the end? Look, we agree that they're fodder for things like this podcast. Like I had to sell my management on a five-year program for why Amway should sponsor the coaches poll back in the day. And look, it got them a ton of impressions. It still gets some impressions, even though they haven't been sponsoring it for a few years. They got deals with the coaches out of the stuff, so that was worth its weight. 
and because people talk about it, right? But let's look at the nuts and bolts of it, which Ryan did. Dating back to 2010, he looked at the entire top 25. We're not going to do the entire top 25 for all these you know, past 13 seasons, but of interest, we'll look at the top five and how they fared, and then he broke down better, worse, same. So in 2010, eight teams ended up better than the preseason ranking, 17 worse. Number one, preseason Bama finished 10th. Number two, preseason Ohio State finished 5th. Number three, preseason Boise State finished 9th. Florida was unranked and finished 4th. Texas was unranked and finished 5th. 2011, nine teams fared better, 13 worse, three the same. Number one, preseason number one, Oklahoma finished 16th. They were close on number two, Alabama. They finished first, Natty Champs. Number three, Oregon, close. They finished fourth. And number four, LSU, second. So they got a pretty good chunk of the top four right there. Pretty good. 2012, 13 better, 11 worse, one the same. So a lot of teams came from nowhere. USC was preseason number one, finished 16th. Bama, again, right up there. Preseason number two, finished first. LSU, preseason three, finished 14th. And Oklahoma, Preseason four finished 15th. Oregon preseason five finished second. So kind of the moral of the story through the first few there is they're okay in the top five-ish, kind of, but not overall. 2013, six, only six better. 18 worse and one the same. Bama was the preseason sweetheart. They finished seventh. Ohio State second, finished 12th. Oregon third, finished ninth. Stanford fourth, finished 11th. UGA picked fifth, finished not unranked. Um, that was not a very good season for them, even in the top five. 2014, 11 ended up better. 14 ended up worse. Number one, preseason Florida State, finished fifth. Number two, Bama. Gee, is Bama in there enough? Finished fourth. Number three, Oregon, finished second. So you, you know, like those teams finished in the top five. Number four, Oklahoma was not ranked. And number five, Ohio State won it all. Okay, two more years, and then we'll look at the rest next year. Um, 2014, did we just do that? Yeah, we just did 2014. Uh, 2015, Ohio State was preseason number one coming off the natty. They finished fourth. TCU second, finished seventh. Bama third, finished first. Baylor fourth, finished 13th. And Michigan State, preseason number five, finished sixth. So pretty close. Um, in 2015, five teams in total fared better, though. 19 worse. So looking at the first six years since my crack researcher did the 12 years of research, it's pretty clear that preseason rankings don't matter much. No. Generally speaking, in the top five, they kind of tend to get a couple of them right. Um, you know, at least close in the top five, which... If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because the Big Ten is, or the Big Ten, NCAA right so far has been pretty top-heavy. That's what's going to be the beauty of moving to a 12-game playoff. So that is the first six years. We'll get 2016 to to present um, next week to catch up. Thanks for that great research, Ryan. Give us a little bit of fodder for the podcast. And, again, we'll call out because we don't have any other questions this week. Next week we're going to talk some Ryder Cup for sure, so we'll probably throw that in golf slash hodgepodge. And Mitch, you, we do have your questions. Uh, you have one more NFL question I saw in there, and you got a bunch of basketball questions. But hey, guys, if you got questions, throw them in. We love to debate them. Last week we answered one for Mana. 
about why um, teams pass so much more than, than they run these days and so on and so forth. So we're happy to give you our opinion for what it's worth, which is probably about as much money as you'd have if you rubbed two nickels together. But nonetheless, if you want us to talk about it, we're happy to talk about it. So now with that, a word from our presenting sponsor team, Andrews Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids of Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. NFL Week 2. First, I got to give a little shout out to Joe down the street. Gave him a business card. Met him at the neighborhood get-together at the end of the cul-de-sac. If you're listening, Joe, here's your Lions talk. We know you're a big Lions fan, so... Hopefully you'll find some enjoyment out of this, Ryan. You're the let's go. Let's do the. You know, you know my stance. You cannot be equally invested in Michigan State and the Lions because you're going to be doubly pissed every weekend. Case in point, this weekend. So I'll let you start. Horrible weekend. Um, I'll I'll give you some of my views. I'll run through the other NFL quick. Any big ones that happen? Uh, Eagles, Vikings. The Vikings defense sucks. Their offensive line sucks. Cousins having a good year so far. but good lord, um, he's got some weapons. Falcons. Give that, give that man an offensive line, and Minnesota would not only go like they did last year, which is whatever they were thirteen and four or fourteen and three. They'd win some playoff games and they'd contend for a Super Bowl. He's a good enough quarterback, just like Goff is a good enough quarterback. Even though they got rid of Cook, which is kind of ridiculous, he's got a great tight end in Hawk. He's got one-two punch and wide receivers in Jefferson and Addison. They just don't have a defense, like Ryan said. And I get it. They're hurt up front right now. But that guy cannot be kept off of his ass. And he's fumbled a few times this year already. Yes. Go back and watch. One was a fumbled exchange with his uh, backup center. And two of the other ones where he got absolutely obliterated on the blind side. Yeah. Uh, The Bengals 0-2. Burrow's hurt again. That's their excuse. They look terrible. They started bad last year, didn't they? Yeah, they've never served well in the bro. Chargers 0-2. That's not great. Um, Bears 0-2. Shocker. They're not very good. Um, Bears fans were thinking this was, was going to be a good season for them. And I'm telling you, Fields ain't it. No. He's just not it. No. The, the 49ers look really good. Um, Cowboys look really good. Uh, Zach Wilson stinks, but that's beside the point. Um, Rodgers says he's fighting to come back for the playoffs. You think he can get ready in four months from a torn Achilles? It's more of the question is, do you think the Jets can make the playoffs? Probably not. Um, Commanders come back against the Broncos. Hell of an ending to that game with a Hail Mary. Missed the but then a, probably a pretty obvious OPI, or DPI not called, defensive pass interference on the two-point conversion. I don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, we've got some rough gripes for the Lions game, too, when we cover that. But, oh, like... Why? Come on, these guys are paid to do this. This is their job. Like way more than Big Ten and ACC and whatever refs, and even then, pay them full time and let them be full time refs. Like I don't, I don't get how you can miss those calls. I, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, then the Patriots zero and two, not a good start. Um, yikes. All right, Lions. Um, not what I expected. Um, I mean, that crowd was raucous. Uh, that was unbelievable. Um, but just, you know, you like, kind of feel like, like the TV. Like Campbell said, need a little slice of humble pie, apparently. Um, 
I mean, you can't complain about. I mean, Goff played really well through the pick six. That was not a great throw. I don't, can't not a great throw. I th- you watch it back, and he broke in when he was supposed to break out. So you know, a lot of times quarterbacks are thrown to a spot. So I can buy that. It's still he was, played. He played well. He's been he's been playing pretty decent. Montgomery's playing well. Then gets hurt. Could be out multiple weeks. Not great. Gibbs has moments. Um, the Lions need help at receiver. I mean, Amon Ra and Josh Reynolds are basically it. Um, it's not great. Um, yeah, he didn't even really target old man that much. Uh, zero. He didn't get any. Um, he had one or two targets. But. Yeah, Laporte is going to be an animal. Um, he's really good. The line. right right whiffed on a lot of blocks. Yeah, he put that was the worst game. He's usually a really good blocker. Sewell was fine moving over to the left. The line stunk though. Jonah Jackson played bad again. Yeah, That's the, two in a row. The Matt Nelson the right was side. bad. I yeah. mean, and then Vitae got hurt. Apparently, they said he's not going to go on IR, which is weird because it looked like he. That looked pretty bad from the back. Blew something out. Um, yeah, the line's often I'm not really worried about. It's the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, last year at the end of the year, why were the Lions having success? Getting pressure. Um, this two games in a row, they have one sack. Um, not good. Yeah, Hutchinson didn't even really get Hutchinson as many pressures like this week. He, he, he didn't uh, this is the analogy I used at work today. He's like an 18-year-old walking into the strip club for the first time. He blows his wad a little too early. Like, he gets way upfield. Um, and I get it, he's aggressive, but he also lets himself get pushed way upfield and out of plays. Like, he needs to just hold his wad and battle, 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 and then peel he off and then that. make That's the sack. strength. His, right. his, like, his effort and his, and, exactly. his, and his just drive to... They're you know, using his... The they're ball. using his... The speed that he has, which isn't world-class, but is pretty good speed for a DE, they're using that against him. They're pushing him upfield and out of the picture. And then a guy like Geno Smith, who's been around for a while... He's still good with his feet. Like if it was Jared Goff, not that great with his feet, you could probably get away with it a little bit more. But like they got away with it against Mahomes, with Mahomes, and I'm going to tell you what Lions fans would be mad at me for saying this, but I said it last week too. It's part of the game. I get it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not going to put an asterisk on any win or loss. Um, but the Lions got helped out by a lot of drop passes in that game. Yep. I mean that's part of the game. I, I get it, but like. You can only you can only flirt with disaster for so long, and and I'm going to tell you right now, a single dropped pass changed the entire trajectory of that game on Saturday, yeah, and Gibbs. that was that that slant to Gibbs that yeah, if he, he catches that with running. his speed, he's in Holland right now. Like I mean, he, no doubt he he would have had a touchdown. Nobody had the right the right angle on him. Nobody had the speed. But he took his eye off of it and he dropped it. And hey, look, credit to the Lions for coming back. Um, they definitely have fight. They have character. They take on the character of their head coach. I I don't fault them for that. But we were a little bit of a maybe a paper tiger on defense. Um, you know, got away again. Got away with some the drop the drop passes. Um, you know, against Kansas City, and that made the defense maybe look a little bit better. You know There's the no guy that hutched, the, the guy that was cheating and offsides or false start in, in the backfield every time for Kansas City was benched because he struggled even then. I mean Hutchinson didn't get any sacks, but at least he had seven pressures. But 
Like the D tackles were out, right, this week or a couple D tackles couple, were out. But still, the, the Lions defensive line had no push. Yeah. James so, but, Houston's out. But it starts with now. the D tackles, and the D tackles need to get the interior of your line, just like your offensive line. You're only going to go as far as your O line and your D line. The rest of the skill positions. The Lions linebackers suck too. Anzalone's terrible. He made the one big play so at the slow. end of regulation that was important for the Lions. But I kind of felt like when he made that play and the Lions had the ball, they needed to score a touchdown yeah, and, then and put they it away. Don't go, if they get the ball first in overtime, maybe they win and maybe we're a different story. But. Here's one thing. I'm just going to throw this out there because, look, I, I can I can eat humble pie and say that Hutchinson has been better than I expected when the Lions drafted him. I do think that he still gets a little overhyped for how many times he overruns and, and whether you want to call it too aggressive or whatever. But that dude still can't tackle Kenneth Walker. He nope. got put on his ass and juked several times by K-9, who didn't have a ton of yards but had two big touchdowns for Seattle. And look, Seattle's got some talent. And here's the, the other thing about the Lions' pass rush in that game. They had two tackles off the freaking streets. Like guys that had hardly yeah, played in the last three years. Ass. And they still moved the ball at will. Um, I will say this. Watching that game, and I, again, I'm, you know, I'm not one to necessarily say the refs are a reason that you lost it because you don't lose a game because of, of a call, usually. Sometimes that's been the case, obviously. But the Lions don't get the benefit of the doubt from the refs. I mean, they had a touchdown called back that shouldn't have been. Um, at least four other calls that I counted during the game, and that was probably before even Hutch arguably really did probably get held there at the end. Like, I... I on one hand, people will say let him play in overtime. No, no, the rules are the rules. Like call, call it like it is, and I get it. Guys hold on every single play, but that one was pretty egregious. And the Lions just don't get the benefit of the doubt. Even so much to say that when, um, you know, Geno Smith got the got the intentional grounding, and the announcers were even trying to make the excuse that that's not the spirit of the rule. He wasn't trying to throw away. It doesn't matter, guys. That's the rule. <laughs> It was intentional grounding because he was between the the tackles and he threw it to no man's land with no one there to catch it. That's that's intentional grounding by the rule. So you want him to bend the rule. Why? Because it's the Lions and that wasn't the intent. That's the gripe I have with because the Lions. I watched it last year as I as, as they kind of got on their streak towards the end of the year and how good they were playing. They just don't get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not even talking about give them a call that they shouldn't get. I'm just saying call the calls that should be called. Like, it's like, it's puzzling to me because it happened to them last year when Seattle got some questionable calls against the Rams when the Lions needed the Ram or the, the Seahawks to lose. I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, they're out to get the Lions, but, and I'm sure every franchise could point to, like, well, here's this play and this play and this play and this play. There's a lot, but like, so fix that stuff. Clean it up. I get humans and mistakes are made, but some of these things are just like obvious. And you've got a bunch of guys on the field that can see it. And, oh, by the way, you've got replay. So open up your replay more to maybe catch more officiating mistakes. You don't have to stop the play of the game. You can look at that. A guy in the replay booth could look at it right away and go, you know what? That should have been a flag. That was a hold. Like, use replay to your advantage from that perspective instead of just saying, well, you know, after the game, I probably could have been holding. Maybe it couldn't have been. I don't know. Use replay for that. Why not? If we're going to use replay for and fumbles and things like that, why not use it for plays like that that matter? Those plays matter just 
those plays matter just as much as whether he got his feet in bounds, whether he completed the catch, or what have you. One bright spot I'm going to give you from the refs, I thought it was hilarious on the aforementioned intentional grounding. Open mic, referee making the call, Gino's in his face, pleading his case. <laughs> he says, do you mind I'm talking to America here? I thought that was awesome. Like The fact that they missed some other calls in the game or whatever, I thought that was great. Another fun fact from the game, Seattle has now won 15 of their last 16 games played at 1 p.m. Eastern. Like, I'm telling you, whether you like Pete Carroll or not, don't count that guy out. He's got a way of getting his guys ready for those trips to the East Coast. Um, Ryan talked about it a little bit. Bad time for Goff to end his historic interception streak. He was actually creeping up pretty good on, on breaking Rogers' streak. But, you know, he'll tell you, he said before the game in an interview, it didn't matter. Um, I believe him. I mean, I think in the back of your mind at the end of your career, you're like, oh, that would be cool to own that streak. But, hey, streaks are meant to be broken. Um, And I'm going to go back to that Gibbs drop at the end of the first half. I I think that that changed the game. Oh, yeah, that, the fumble early in the second half. Here's a question that I have for you, Ryan, because I know that you have a distinct opinion on this. Do the Lions gamble too much? I thought about this a lot today. Um, I think... I like because you said it yesterday you, you got to roll with the good and with the bad, which I agree. I do agree with that, but I think he needs to be a little bit more selective with his decisions and where to go. Because on some of them, I, I mean, I get it. Like you, you, you're on the right side of the fifty. You're, you know, you have momentum. You think you get a play for it, whatever, you know. But that just show like on the one, take the points. Kick the ball, you end up winning the game if you take the three points. You in the end, you end up doing. Then the, going for your own forty-five on fourth and four. Like I, I mean, yeah, you're being aggressive. You know, you think your defense can't stop them, but you have a guy that's are getting paid the most out of any punter in the NFL. Freaking punt it, pin them deep, and hope your defense makes a play and make them march the length of field. I get that maybe it kills clock, but he he just needs to be a little more selective. I love him being aggressive. Because that's his mantra. That's the way he plays his gambling, gambling Dan. But good lord, he needs to be more selective and not do it every time. It's not Madden. Well, true. And I mean, there, there's law of percentages and whatever. And I, you were a little bit more heated about it last yesterday, so I thought you might cool down on a little bit. Because my point to Ryan was yesterday, he was frustrated and rightfully so, right? Like when you give up, give up what should be sure points on a forty-yard field goal in the NFL, it doesn't mean it's sure points, but you know. Most it's hard. It's hard to take it. that when it comes down to that in the end. Of, in the end of the game, you know, it's not about just that one decision and that one play. My argument was at the time, and I stick with it: is if you don't like it when it doesn't work, but you love it when it does work, you can't be both, right? Like if if you need to ride or die with your coach, if he is a gambling guy, and even if you think he takes too many risks, you can't love it when he gets. You know, goes for a fake punt inside his own twenty in a you know the NFL season opener or like last year against the Rams when he did like back to back fake punt onside kick whatever you can't love it then and hate it when it doesn't work because let's face it like a good fourth down team fifty percent is pretty dang good so you know you're just playing the law of percentages the law of averages I don't disagree I think there's times for it. Um, I personally think that he, I was having this discussion at work today, I think that he felt like 
they were in situations where the defense wasn't going to stop him and he needed more possession and points. Um, and it backfired, right? Like, and so you, you, and he, he would own those, right? He would say, Hey, you know, I probably should have thought about this, but look, there's, there's one thing you cannot question about Dan Campbell. And that is that he is true to who he is. Like that is who he is. And look guys, I want the lions to go 16 and or 17 and 02, but Dang. the fact of the matter is the NFC North is not good. Chicago is not going to contend. Minnesota, I think, will wake up. Green Bay's okay, but they're going to have growing pains with love. Um, you know, that's basically a whole new squad from what it was. The receiving core is all brand new, basically. Um, you know, so, like, it, the NFC North should be as easy to win as probably ever from a Lions perspective. And that gets you in the playoffs. Now, the Lions may record-wise only be the ninth or 10th best team, the NFC East is pretty dang good, but that doesn't matter, right? If they win the NFC North, they're going to get in the playoffs and they're going to get a home playoff game. So, you know, temper it a little bit, keep it real. Like Seattle's a pretty good team. Yeah, they got kind of, you know, punked by the Rams in the opener, but the Rams played okay yesterday against the 49ers and, and the Rams have a lot of injuries. They're a totally changed team. So, you know, it doesn't suck. Yeah, I. You know, there's no such thing as a moral victory this year for the Lions. It's just not acceptable with the expectations. But at least they fought and they came back because old Lions might have just folded. Not old Lions of last year. Old Lions of last year fought a lot too. But like a few years ago, Lions would have folded. Um, yep, the injury bug is biting a little bit. Would CJ Gardner out for the season, Ryan? Yeah, most likely uh, torn pec, and then apparently Amon Ra might have turf toe, so that's great. Yeah, I mean they were putting a steel plate in his shoe, so you know injury injuries happen, and so they're going to have to find a way to scheme. Any other receivers? They're they're going to have to they're going to have to figure something out, right? Like go get To out of retirement or Jerry Rice or I don't know something. But the the bottom line is the Lions will be fine. Um, You know, we both picked ten and seven, maybe eleven and six, and that's still well within their sights. They just need to do good enough to win the NFC North and get healthy as the season goes on. It's a long season. You teams lose guys for the season. Teams lose guys for you know four or five, six games. It's expected to be happen. Yeah, it feels like it happens to the Lions a lot, but I teams the Jets could say that too. Like the Jets have been snake bit too. They finally go out and they get a quarterback that can help them win after they've had all these dud picks in the first round, and then he goes and tears his Achilles. Right, like it happens. You know, it happens. So, Lions are 1-1. One one. They could easily be 2-0. and oh. They could easily be 0-2. Oh um, I don't think that changes what they have in front of them. Um, and I think that they're going to be just fine. So, here was one Mitchapalooza question, actually. I moved it to here instead of hodgepodge. Name one NFL coach you would have wanted to play for. It can be a current guy. It can be a past guy. It's mm, a good question. I, I would argue there are more... Hall of Fame coaches from my day than right now your days. Yeah. Dan Campbell's one of them. I'd love to play for that. Because I'm going to just throw a list of guys from when I was young. Joe Gibbs with the Redskins. Don Shula with Miami. John Madden with the Raiders. Uh, Dick Vermeil actually, with the Eagles and then with the Rams. Um, let's see. Bill Walsh, the innovator of the West Coast offense. Like, there were a lot of good coaches. I think in today's day and age, I don't know that there's as many. Like, I'm sitting there watching the Miami coach. I'm watching the Miami coach get interviewed. Like, he's an IT geek. Like, he's, like, I wouldn't, I don't know. 
they must be doing okay because they're two and zero. But McVeigh would be a good coach to play for. Yeah, you know, actually, I think um, Minnesota's him. coach. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing for him, Saleh or Salah or however you want to yeah, say. Yeah, I like Salah a lot. I like him, Dan Campbell definitely, but. Like Dan Campbell's probably as close to a, like a true man's players coach as you can find right now. Um, you know, there's like there's some good young coaches out there, but there's nobody quite like the coaches that were the OGs back in my day. Right. No, completely agree. Right. Anything else, Lions or such? No, I've got nothing. Got nothing. All right, let's go to the sprint. Sprint. We had this discussion yesterday, and it. I, We'll do it for the listeners. Best salad dressing. <laughs> We're starting with food first. Best salad dressing. Oh, man. Mm. That's tough because, you know, we got ranch. That goes with everything. I grew up on Thousand Island because ranch wasn't a thing when I was a kid. I'm going to go with mom's pick. Creamy Italian. Underrated. I'm going ranch. Ranch is the best. Best NFL theme song on TV for a, for a network. Well, now I just heard ESPN, well, at least for tonight, they busted out um, in the air with Chris Stapleton, which is kind of cool. Obviously, you know, you have uh, old girl Carrie Underwood well, on I mean, NBC. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like the jingle coming out. Like so the not top. the music music. Right, like the... the da, 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 da. I'm going to go CBS. Uh, mine's Fox. Because CBS has been doing football since I could walk. Like, that's the one constant. It used to be CBS, NBC, and ABC did... Monday Night Football that was before Fox was a thing um, so I'm, I'm going to go with CBS um, will there be a va- a basketball version of Deion Sanders in the next three years no I don't think so I, I think I, I just there's a lot of teams that try to do it but I don't think you can flip an entire roster like he did in a, with the basketball team. I just don't. With the short period of time you have and so few guys that, you know, you can hide a, a player or two out of 11. You can't do that with a basketball team. No. Best fall. Kansas State tried last year. I mean, they yeah, got they pretty did. far with they a pretty patchwork team. Yeah. Best fall food slash drink. Oh, man. We've got a couple of foodies. I'm a, I'm just a sucker for a good pot roast. Like that's just comfort food for me. That's a fall winter thing to me. I got the carrots, the potatoes, a good hunk of beef, and homemade gravy. Best drink, um, Fireball probably. I mean that's an all year round, but that just something cinnamon feels good for that time of the year. Yeah. Cinnamon and sugar donuts and Fireball. That's I'm saying cinnamon sugar donuts and apple cider. Yeah, that's, that's a good one too. All right, that's 140 of these bad boys. Let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer. College football-wise, NFL, maybe golf next week um, as we prepare for the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, we appreciate appreciate you guys listening and uh, couldn't do it without you guys. And I'm going to stick with the music theme here with my closing quote tonight. Meantime, as country singer Parker McCollum sang, maybe with Michigan State football in mind, Burn it down till it's ashes and smoke. Burn it down to the smoldering coals. Burn it down.